Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yeah, we've got a very special guest for this episode where we're going to be covering the Dragon Pool novel. We got Jen Kruger. Hello. Hi, Jen. Um, A little background for our listeners. Jen Kruger, um, she's a best friend of mine. We go way back. (laughs) I would call her my improv wife because we've been doing improv for that long. Um, We go all the way back (laughs) in the early days of moving to Los Angeles. Um, She's super funny, super great. Um, we, uh, just a real quick history. We met in UCB upright citizens brigade classes back in the day. Then we ended up co-hosting, creating and co-hosting a show with another friend of ours, Farley Elliott. He left, we kept it going. So we went on to that for about five, five or what five show? years, Jen. Was I that the manifesto show? The manifesto Sweet. show. Yeah. yeah. You know, comrade, you know, very comrade Russian forward show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause the group that founded it was called comrades. Yes. So it was Russian theme. And then Farley left after a year, two years-ish. And then, two-ish, yeah. Two-ish, and then I would we say. continued to host it as the duo that Dave and I were before Comrades even existed, which was called Penguins on the, is called Penguins on the Playground. Yeah. Hosting the Manifesto <laughs> show for another three years. So there <laughs> you go. Didn't change the theming. We were yeah. like, this is... It yeah. we'll no, we didn't need to change it to the ice cave with penguins on the playground or anything like that. <laughs> we just a good name for it if we did. <laughs> we never even one. discussed it. Like, yeah. It wasn't ever on the table. Yeah, it was just now we're penguins on the playground that hosts this show. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we go way back. Um, have had many a fun time on stage with Jen and great improv uh, memories all over. I mean, some of my favorite <laughs> scenes. Some of my favorite scenes I've ever been in were just the two of us. So Same. love that Aww, stuff. So that's the best. Uh, and and really, um, her and just full disclosure, her roommate and also co-writer, because she um Jen is a writer, a screenwriter, writer uh as well. And she's a co-writer with a previous guest who covered the novel, the last novel with us, James Mulholland. Um, mm-hmm. and I I literally tapped both of them <laughs> to this <laughs> specifically because I know that they're big time readers, and I was yeah. like, it's we're it's so like it feels terrible to ask anybody to read a book yeah. for a podcast. Like I was telling Jen before we started, I was like, this is a lot of homework for one podcast. And so we just appreciate I, you doing that. Reading I, one, do not mind. Always love to be asked. Um, you know, so feel free, anybody listening, anyone listening, seriously, if you want me to be on your podcast, I'll read a book. I don't mind. <laughs> um, I knew like, obviously I knew James had done it. And, uh, and so when you asked me to read the book, I was like one, not surprised. Cause I kind of thought, so he, uh, I'm sure he had James do it before me because he knows James knows a lot more about comics than I do, but <laughs> I bet I, that request will be coming at some point. And then it came and I was like, yep. <laughs> he knows me too well. um but yeah definitely that's why you're here is because i knew you would you you would probably read this probably faster than i would ever too just in the pace i think that's how it shook out right it definitely shook out i was like on the wire trying to get it done (laughs) uh i i like reading but not to the to the extent of jen so um But oh, I just like I just want to get like a general like feel for like. Mm-hmm. So you've been a reader forever. Has this? Did you like yeah. books and journals? That been since you were young. What? Where did that start from? I apparently, according to my parents, um, they 
I one night just started reading a book out loud when I was like two. And they thought, okay, she's memorized it because this is one of the books that we read at bedtime and she just knows the whole thing. Yeah. And then shortly after that, I started reading something out loud in the house that was like a newspaper or something that I would never have seen her. (laughs) They're like, oh no, she legit knows how to read. And we didn't (laughs) put any effort into that yet because she's not even yet at an age where we thought that was going to happen yet. So um, yeah, so I guess since before I can remember, (laughs) I'm sure part of it is like, I'm an only child. So, you know, I didn't have siblings who I was like playing with. And I was the type of child also who like didn't have friends. (laughs) friends. <laughs> so who had a very, you know, internal imagination based world yeah. um, for like a lot of my childhood. And I, and not in a like, Oh, feel bad for me. No, like uh, books were your escape for, yeah. Yeah. Like I loved sense. it. You know, I, I, I would never leave the house without a book. Um, oftentimes more than one type of a thing of like, well, if I finish yeah. this one, I got to have the next one. To start. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it's just always been a thing that I've um, really, I think because also part of it is that I'm really into like genre stuff, like fantasy and sci-fi are my jam and those types of things, you know, there's a, a, a lower amount of that, like on TV and, you know, you look at the world around you and it's the real world. And if you want, you're interested in fantasy or sci-fi, you have to go to these kind of other sources and, and create that world in your mind for yourself. So I'm sure that was part of it as well. Is like, I'm in, I'm into these things that books can open up for me, but in the way that like, I can't just flip on, you know, annoy, like I guess movies when you're little, but you don't have as much control over what you watch when you're yeah. little, like what your yeah. parents put on for you. Right. So, yeah, totally. Like I can watch this Disney movie and that's great. And I love that as well. But like, you know, if I want to really get into like, uh, something set in space or, you know, like a type of fantasy outside of just this one fairy tale of like Beauty and the Beast, like a, a larger, more detailed fantasy world. I have to get it from a book. So that probably contributed to it as well. That's great. <laughs> I, love it. I love that. And then over your long history of reading, what, what is your still, you're like, just to give you us and the listeners a gauge of like, what are your like favorites, like a top three or you could do, you could do current or you can do over time, something that you always, you know, will always refer back to. Um, I I'll give you some sort of more recent things that I've uh, cause I've in the past, probably like four or five years come across some things that I've have just loved so much that I try to recommend them to everybody. Um, One of them is actually very recent and um, I think is being made into a TV show by Edgar Wright for either, I can't remember if it's Amazon or Netflix, but um, it's called the David Badge Trilogy. And it is this amazing trilogy of books, um, City of Brass, Kingdom of Copper, Empire of Gold are the three books mm. um, by, I'm going to, I can't, I'm going to butcher the author's name. It's like S.R. Chakrabordi, I want to say. Um, and basically it is this, a fantasy trilogy about a young woman in Egypt in the like 1800s. And she is, she has a, like a bit of magic power to her. She can sort of 
sense things in other people's bodies, like sicknesses, or she can hear people's heartbeats as they walk by. Um, If someone has like an infection or a condition they don't know about, she can kind of see or hear or feel it in them. And she knows how to then treat those things. So in a way she makes her money kind of doing like essentially apothecary type stuff, but because she's a woman, she sort of is doing it on the sly because it's not really a thing that women did at that time. But she's also like kind of a thief and con artist. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's got to make ends meet. Yeah. And she, one day, she, oh, she also has a, like a talent for languages. Like she can just hear someone speaking a language and, and she knows what they're saying, even if it's a language she's never heard before. And her own, what she would consider her native tongue is a language she's never heard anyone else speak. She doesn't know anyone and she doesn't really have like a memory of her childhood. So one day she's doing this thing that's like a bit of she's trying to help someone a bit. She's trying to con these people um, <laughs> whose daughter is like essentially their sort of word is in a way possessed. And so to like convince the family that she's really like exercising the problem, she starts singing a song in her native language. And suddenly a djinn shows up or what she would think of as a djinn, which is like a genie. Yeah. And it's like this warrior and he is kind of pissed. (laughs) What's happening? And then he kind of like takes her away. They end up, what she's doing also, it kind of inadvertently raises some undead and he like fights them off. But basically he says to her, there's this entire world of jinn and devas is another name for it. So the, all these tribes of, of jinn have been, they're sort of like different, um, not families, but I guess tribes is the word I want. Um, and some of them specifically refer to themselves as deva. Um, that's the name of the tribe, but they don't like the word jinn. And essentially they have their own kind of world hidden from the human world. It's like on our earth, but Ooh. you couldn't get to it. And he says, your Shafit, which would be someone who is the result of a human mating with a generative deva. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta take you to this world. And this whole thing unfolds because she, he's kind of been exiled from it. And there's all this stuff with like, what happens when one of these, they have magic. What happens when one of these people, you know, uses magic when they are, you know, like kind of, in a, their powers have been like tamped down from this ancient thing. What if somebody were to kind of break through that level of where their powers have been tamped down and what really is her history? Where did she come from? Uh, Cause she's sort of maybe from one of the Royal lineages of this city and she could potentially challenge the ruling family of this city. And it's just incredible. And it's a type of world you don't often see fantasy written in. Yeah. So, and it's a female protagonist. She's like this really cool, strong lady. And, and her main thing is like, I want to help people. So that is an amazing trilogy. If you like fantasy, Sounds I awesome. check that out for sure. Um, there's a part yeah. of this Hellboy book that reminded me of something in that. Series oh, book great. That I really like. Can you say the name of the trilogy again? Yeah, it's the Devabad trilogy. So D-A-E-V-A-B-A-D great. trilogy. That's the name of the city. Um, the first book is the city of brass the second book is the kingdom of copper and the third book is the empire of gold um Mm. and yeah it's been optioned so you'll see it on your screens at some point so i'd highly recommend that great and then (laughs) i'll recommend another trilogy yeah um called the winter night trilogy 
This is, uh, oh man, it's based up basically around like Russian fairy tales. Perfect for Hellboy. It's a, um, another like strong young woman type of story. Basically what it is, is like this, uh, this woman is, she sort of has magic, but <laughs> it's in a kind of time in Russia where that's a little bit, oh, you're a witch. So you don't necessarily want to show it if you have it because yeah. they might get upset and maybe burn you. Um, <laughs> and maybe not. Maybe you live in the countryside in a village that still is conforming to kind of the old ways and they want to honor the spirits of the household that in the cities are now kind of seen as like, that's pagan, that's evil, we're conforming to Christianity, you shouldn't be worshiping the spirit of the hearth <laughs> when you should be worshiping Jesus. Um, so she's, uh, she's basically the daughter of like a low-level lord in the countryside kind of discovers she has these magic powers and her mother dies and her father marries this kind of like higher level noble's daughter who that noble is like this girl is like great not crazy but she's like she thinks she sees demons everywhere she's very haunted no one's gonna want to marry this woman so he like pawns her <laughs> off on the protagonist's dad being like basically get her out of this city so i don't have to deal with my daughter screaming about demons all the time but of course the stepmother <laughs> hates the like magic wielding daughter who can see like the spirits of the hearth, which is what she thinks of as demons. And so then this kind of priest come rolls in and is like, look, I'm going to fix everything. And he kind of sees the protagonist as like, I got to fix you. Mm. But the trilogy is also about really her coming into her magic and what happens when she says, you know what, let me just embrace this. And there's a level of kind of like, the gods of Rus Russian mythology kind of using her as a pawn maybe, or the people around her as pawns and trying to, well, you're trying to figure out like, what do they want? What are they doing? Cause there's yeah. this sort of like Lord of winter and this like Lord of death that are having their own war. And they both kind of want this girl as like their champion in a way. Oh. Shit. And it starts off. The first book is called the bear and the nightingale. And it starts off on this kind of small scale. And as you go through the trilogy, she eventually kind of, goes gets to a bigger city and she's getting involved in things on a bigger scale and it's just so different from western fairy tales and it really like sent me down this rabbit hole of learning more about russian mythology and i i'm so obsessed with it now <laughs> like oh. well that's very cool uh i designed a, like a DD campaign that's like heavily based on russian mythology that i run for awesome. james actually so he's like <laughs> cool. playing a, like a little gnome in this very Russian god based world. <laughs> but yeah, it. I highly recommend it. It's very, very cool. If you're into things like um, it's not the same as like The Witcher, but if you like that kind of world where it's like these fairy tales are cautionary tales. They are not yeah. your like and happily ever after. <laughs> There's right. like blood and death and darkness. Um, I would recommend these books. Uh, the writer of that is Catherine Arden. Awesome. Great. Yeah. I'm it's very interesting that it, you're so, you got super into Russian folklore and folk tales because in fairy tales because Hellboy is very influenced by that. Like, yeah, I don't seems know. Seems a bit that way. Yeah. I, so that will lead me into like, what what is your like relationship with Hellboy? How much have you read? How did you get introduced to it? And, and it could be none. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think Davis added that last bit because he knows what the answer is, is that it's none. I, what I knew about Hellboy before I started reading this book was Dave loves it. Um, he's a demon of some kind. Mm -hmm. 
he's red. I had seen, um, <laughs> I, I think I you got it. Seen, you get it. Pretty defining feature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Uh, I'd seen like the drawing of him, mm-hmm. um, like your classic, like what he would be on the cover of the comic. And then I've yeah. seen like Ron Perlman as him. Yeah. But both of those things, I believe I've only ever seen from maybe like mid chest or waist up because every time in the book, the hooves came up, I was like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing him with him, with him with like, um, big like Frankenstein boots. Like, like boots. You know, like yeah. Feet. Yeah. 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 And then it would mention his hooves. And I'm like, oh, right. He doesn't have feet. He has hooves. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had like no real, and I didn't even really know, like, I knew he was, the type of good guy where, you know, maybe other good guys wouldn't see him as a good guy. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah like he's totally. not a villain, but he's not necessarily accepted as like a hero by everybody, but that was really it. So I didn't know like how literal the, him being a demon and from hell. And like, I didn't know if he was born on earth, but he has like demonic parentage or did he literally come from hell? Like, I didn't know. I had yeah. no idea. Whoa. And James, was I was like, do I need to, what do I need to know before I read this book? And he was like, um, well, if Dave wanted you to know something, he probably would have told you. So I'm not going to tell you very much, but, uh, I will yeah. tell you because otherwise you'll be confused. His friend Abe is a fish man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, you know that. Man. Yeah. Great. Um, I love that. Abe, that's all he told you. <laughs> I mean that, and I Abe mean, I'm great. sure as you gathered, the professor broom is basically his like father figure. Yeah. He like basically calls him son in this at one point or another. And like, yeah. So that's, I mean, really at the beginning of the Hellboy comics, you're not told very much more than that. Like his whole thing is like, it's kind of a mystery. His actual line like parentage is not even known to him, to the character or to the mm-hmm. readers. It's kind of okay. like he appeared as sort of like this, side effect of Rasputin working for Nazis trying to bring about Ragnarok. Okay. So he's doing this, like he's doing this, like Rasputin is he's alive and he's doing this, like a sort of thing to like conjure something to help the Nazis take over the world. But Hellboy appears instead, like something kind of goes wrong. Hellboy appears and is found by American and British soldiers, including Trevor Broom, who's like on this like paranormal like wing of the US military or something. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he's found there and he's like raised by Trevor on an American military base. So that's sort of like it. That's he's like, yeah. He's yeah, like, and, and it just because we like, it's funny that you're asking these questions, Jen, because we are like, <laughs> we, I, I, I've read slightly ahead of more of, of Kate in the, in the Hellboy, I've read all of it. And then like, we're doing all of the BPRD like mm-hmm. world and that I don't know everything. I'm in the same boat with Kate as we go along that, but we just got like, we just finished the storyline that's coming. Like is like the penultimate, like before the last, almost, almost mm-hmm. before this, like of three of a trilogy. And we literally got, introduced heard his father's name for the first time his actual yeah, it's father like three oh. decades into the story and you're like <laughs> oh, wow. just learning that kind of stuff so it's like not totally essential for you to know like cool. every yeah. little detail i mean I, like you read it already and yeah. <laughs> so you're sad but uh, yeah, yeah it's like it doesn't take too much away from it i think to not know every single 
element of the comics up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was mostly a thing of what do I naturally visualize from what I feel like I've the images I've seen here and there in pop culture. Yeah. Versus what the like more detailed description in the book would be. Like the tail, I was that was another thing where yeah. would be, oh right, he's got a tail. And that it's one eventually demon-y. Yeah, kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because also even demons right like different cultures have different ideas of what a demon looks like yeah. so even if you say demon you know a more westernized be, version of a demon is it would have maybe feet or something more foot like and so it makes a lot of sense to me to hear that the origin is Rasputin doing basically black magic for the Nazis yeah, yeah okay now I know what <laughs> like a goat sure, on the bottom sure. kind of <laughs> um, that's more their deal um yeah you know, and of the household and like Russian fairy tales are 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 these like weird little goaty type looking creatures often cool so. oh, that's, yeah. great. that's amazing yeah and I mean he's straight up his wa- his mother was a a witch Mm-hmm. And his and the his father was a, de- a a demon or like a general in hell called the name is it Azil Azel Azil Azil, um, correct me Kate. <laughs> is it? It's not like Azriel or something. Yeah, it's like something Az. I think it's Azel or whatever. Azazel. Oh boy. There's um. There's definitely a word for um. Oh man. Azriel. Azriel. As that's, like a, uh, As that's like a classic Christianity demon slash devil name. Um, yeah, there's like, a character uh, in Marvel comic books with the same name, which is uh, a Nightcrawler's like dad, I think. <laughs> and it's one straight of, it's up a, the, a demon. It's the demon in Good Omens. Ah, there you go. Uh, is Azrael, I believe. Yeah, uh, Mike Mignola pulls directly from so many sources, but like we are literally where we just left. It's like was deep in, deep in a uh, Russian lore. Like he interacts with the character Koshye, the Deathless from Russian yep. co- folklore. Valicia, Valacia, Vasilisa, the, Vasilisa, yeah. yeah. That all There's of that actually stuff many is... Vasilisas in Russian folklore. There's Vasilisa the Strong, Vasilisa the Brave, Vasilisa oh. the Beautiful. Just a common Russian name. It's I a guess, common. Or, it's, okay, yeah, cool. it's basically like it would almost be like naming a character Mary. Right. Ah, uh, cool. And yeah. one of his greatest foes in or trouble for him is Baba Yaga. Yeah, yeah, I love He's, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga's cool. Baba Yaga's my jam. <laughs> yeah. You might you'd you'd love. I think there. I think he does a great job of his Baba Yaga. She has like crazy wood feet legs i mean wood legs it's fucking wild She's oh, very cool. like we were kind of talking about this on the last issue because there's like a little side story that's included with one of the comics that it gives a little bit of like backstory of of baba yaga just like something that happened to her and it's not like integral to the overall story it's just some like flavor mm-hmm. but it's like uh she her look in the hellboy stories is very like matronly and i was like i would imagine this is what in in the actual like folk tales, mm-hmm. she probably looks like she's like a, she's kind of like this twisted, perverted version of like a very motherly looking figure. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as opposed to like a sec, like a sexy comic book lady, like yes, a horned up <laughs> version of the Baba Yaga. So it's, it's like, it, I was like, it's cool that they kept her as like a grandma. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just like that element of it. Side note is here for Halloween. I'm going to be sexy Baba Yaga. Hell yeah. (laughs) Thank you for giving me that idea. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She's like a crown. She's like a, yeah. 
or yeah. like a, the type of woman where, you know, if you met her in the woods and you saw her cottage, but it wasn't up on its chicken legs, it was just right. down trying to be yeah. a normal be like, hat. Okay. Be like, oh, grandmother, you know, <laughs> the way that they use grandmother as like a term of respect for an older person. Sure. Yeah. Kind of that culture. Oh, grandmother, could, do you need anything? And you wouldn't think this lady wants to kill me or yeah. put me in a potion or whatever. I'm getting eaten <laughs> by this lady. Yeah. 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 That's um, very cool, man. Yeah, I know it's fun. That he like fought Baba Yaga. That's that's awesome. Yeah. There's he, some fun stuff in it. He just a, little, a cool thing about her and him is like in their like first interaction, he shoots her eye out. And so mm-hmm. she's just flat out, just like now, just angry with him. And watch, <laughs> and she's like, you need to give me your eye to replace mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Again, very like Eastern European fairy tale type of move there. It's yeah. like, you've wounded me. Give me your part to replace yeah. mine. <laughs> it's the only it's way to only compensate fair. me. Yeah. Yeah. Koshe yeah. the Deathless is such a dark thing too. Like yeah. that's basically, I, I don't know if that's where JK Rowling like ripped the idea of the Deathly Hallows from, but it sort of feels like it. Once you learn about Koshe the Deathless, you're like, Oh, this yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Totally. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I'll have to like make a list of like, I think if you like just Russian short stories or something that I'll make yeah. a list for you for Hellboy, you can listen, read easily and not have to <laughs> fully engross ones. yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yes, please. And then, yeah, I can send you some, uh, some recommendations for some of the fairy tales so you can, Oh, we would love you'll, that. You'll recognize oh, yeah. more stuff maybe. Um, Cause yeah, they're super cool. Like it has got that trilogy that I was talking about, got me into going back to like, what is the source material for this? And like, Actually, I've been trying to learn Russian. Like, I'm just cool. very into this whole world. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing. And I just really want like more of it in other like pop culture. Um, so, yeah. That's okay. awesome. That's is great. it like, how is learning? Ru- like, is, are you, it's are you hard. like learning the alphabet? Like they're like alphabet? Yeah. I what their alphabet's have... called. Uh, Cyrillic. Okay. Yeah. So they have a different, so there's, um there's also like, you know, you can, you can read and write Russian with this kind of westernized alphabet. So you can do it where kind of replacing like more quote unquote modern Russian Sure, can be written out where kind of using like the letters that we have to replace the, the ones that they have that don't exist in our alphabet, but kind of make similar sounds or whatever. So you, yeah. you can see Russian sometimes it's, that's just written with our alphabet. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to learn it with like the Cyrillic alphabet. So like yeah. I have a Russian keyboard on my phone now and like Whoa. Uh, sometimes it'll like if it's like doing your predictive text, like sometimes it'll pop up like a word in Russian. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so hard to learn because a lot of their letters, not a lot, but a, a certain amount of their letters are ones that look the same as ours, right. um, but make a completely different sound. Oh. So like they have a letter that looks like a capital H. And that is an N sound in our okay. alphabet. They're, yeah. What we would recognize as a capital B makes a V sound. Some, they have a different letter that makes oh. a B sound. Uh, R, something that looks like a lowercase P to us is an R. So it, you have to kind of like wrap Be your trained. head around. Yeah. And then just also ones that ha- are a shape that we don't have a letter that's anything close to that shape. And you just have to go like, okay, that one makes a D sound. <laughs> so, wow. They don't have something that looks like RD. That's so, cool though. Yeah. It's, that's cool, uh, it's been, I've only started doing it during the pandemic. So I haven't been able to do it in a way where what I would love to do is like 
be able to go into a classroom with an actual teacher because sure. there are things that if I'm trying to learn digitally, I just don't understand why. Like I can learn how to say, you know, I have a cat, you have a cat, she has a cat, but I don't really understand what's happening in terms of like conjugation, the way I've learned right. other, um, like when I'm learning French, I sort of, it's closer to how we would like conjugate a verb or structure a sentence. Like in Russian, you can say a whole sentence that doesn't actually include a lot of the words that we would say in English. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like missing verbs sometimes. And I like, why is that? Okay, in this case, but in this case, you need the verb. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so I need like a person to explain it to me. Yeah. Um, so that'll be like when things are totally normal again. I'll probably go to like a language school and do cool. it properly. But I've just been kind That's of great. doing it on my own in the pandemic <laughs> as much yeah. as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Any kind of like new language is so hard without someone to help you correct it, like to help or just speak it back to you or. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing is I'm like, I can. So I can say this, I can, and I, I'm using something where, you know, I can talk into my phone and it kind of gauges whether I've said it right or not, but it's yeah. wrong. I don't know why it's wrong. Like right. I can't say, mm -hmm. no, you're making the wrong sound in the first word in the sentence versus the third word in the sentence or whatever. So, right. um, yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's fun. Amazing. It's like a nice like challenge and everyone, we, there's a, the other day, James, found a way to like tune in a Russian TV station. Oh, so cool. just like put on a random, Whoa. just whatever was on, which seemed to be some kind of soap opera. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> but I like watch it for a few minutes and, I, and I'm going like, oh, I kind of understand. Picking up some of it. Some of the stuff cool. that's going on. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Good you always you. hear about like, like Schwarzenegger or like, you know, certain actors like learning mm -hmm. all of their English from TV. Yes. So I'm sure it helps to be like, oh, I'm just going to check out some Russian TV and see how they're like actually using it. Yeah. It'd be so funny to like end up with this heightened Russian, this dramatic like Russian. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Like, where they, laughs> yeah, there's like, a huge difference. Everything was such <laughs> pizzazz. Yeah. Yeah. How you would like learn it from a book or like an app that would teach you a language is so different than like. <laughs> how someone on a soap opera would talk yeah, delivers yeah. a crazy line. <laughs> yeah. You're funny for like, you know, bastard, but it is yeah. in like a child out of wedlock, but you're never gonna learn that from an app. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like back from the dead. I'm probably not going to learn that phrase no. from my app, but yes. you know, on a really good at you. supplementing your education. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get really well-rounded. Exactly. Just uh, Soap yeah, I love awesome. As we move into discussing the novel, I just wanted to say that, like, particularly you didn't need to know that much, Jen, going in, because this story mm -hmm. takes place in 1991. At least that's what they date it. In the first major storyline of the original Seed of Destruction takes place in 94. Oh, like, okay. So it's like we're even this is this book is taking place before we actually get to the point where Hellboy discovers his parts of his lineage and it sets off mm -hmm. his the course he's going to go. Okay. We're just like, at this point, he's just like, I'm a fucking half demon BPRD agent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but cool. Um, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Kate. Go for it, Kate. Let's get into the, sure. the dragon pool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hellboy, the dragon pool written by Christopher golden. And uh, usually like some of the previous 
Hellboy novels have had art by Mike Mignola. This, he did the cover, but there was no like art kind of throughout the book, which is like, it's fine, but it is a bummer because like the art in some of the previous novels have been really, really cool. Just like little inserts. Um, So that was the only, like, I kind of missed that. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of like a Hellboy going to help his sort of ex Anastasia go like uh, <laughs> off of the Himalayas. She, Anastasia's found this uh, lake and she thinks it might be this legendary dragon pool and, uh, or dragon king pool. And, you know, there's like legends of an, a dragon who kind of plagued this the 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 peoples at the top of this mountain they had to sacrifice a child every year and then a child from the like the dig crew goes missing and that's really bad and that's when hellboy is called in so yeah that's that's kind of where we start um yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i mean what happens is i mean just to finish up the synopsis because we can get into details it's pretty much we discover there's a village of half dragon half human people or full Mm -hmm. dragon they just have the ability to transform then the dragon of course is awakened boils up that that lake kills a lot of people nice and hot yeah nice and hot then they decide like there's a dwarf with a big sword buried somewhere. <laughs> We're going to go get this dwarf to save him. He's like back. a dead monk or they yeah, dead, monk dead, dwarf. but he's yeah. actually just been sleeping for hundreds of years. Yes. Yeah. Magically monk. under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly uh, well-preserved monk who, yeah. with a legendary weapon capable of killing this legendary monster, <laughs> yeah. which is, yeah, it's like totally. And, only, yeah. and when they described his his sword, all I could think of was Final Fantasy VII. Yes. That's all I because could think. They, <laughs> the proportion of, because he's a, they call him a dwarf. And so the proportion of him wielding what is probably a, a slightly than larger, normal, if you compare it to a normal size sword, it's probably not that much bigger than a real mm-hmm. one, but it keeps talking about how it's like bigger than his whole body. So yeah, yeah, you do see in your mind this like giant <laughs> that Hellboy picks it up and it's like, whatever, this is like a yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but they get him, uh, he gets and the the lake drains. There are not only are there is the dragon king swooping around but there's also now baby dragons and young yeah, his dragons. entire sort of like a palace that he resides in emerges and there's all these other dragons riding around and they're attacking, you know, helicopters, yeah. BPRD copters, Chinese government copters, like all kinds of stuff. And Eventually really the dwarf jumps fight. in the mouth like a Drax and tries to kill it from the inside. Yeah, from the inside <laughs> out. And he pretty much succeeds. Yeah. 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 He like he cuts his way. He does the cool thing of like the sword through the in, you know, outside from the inside, cuts it open. He's all burned from being half digested by a huge <laughs> fire breathing dragon. Hellboy kind of helps to rip him out in a pretty gross, like it's like yeah. wet tearing and stuff like that. Pulls out a Juenue, I think is his I name in it. That's a yeah, I'll I'll take that. Yeah, yeah I was like, uh, I don't know how we're supposed to. I don't know what the pronunciation. Yeah, on that. I don't know. Sure. That's pretty it, much what I was saying. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, it's it almost felt like that monk was from like um, the way that it was spelled. Just in my mind, I was like, "Oh, is this a, uh, a like a North or not North? Uh, like, where's Thor come from? Oh my God! Yeah, uh, so Thor was Norse. Norse, yeah. I, I was thinking it was like it felt like this character's now. Man, from I, Norse I was thinking he's just like a Tibetan monk who's yeah from yeah, the totally. area. And yeah. then, um, uh, yeah, Hellboy pulls him out. He's like not feeling so hot and he's kind of motions to hellboy to get the sword like something's in there that we need to get hellboy keeps ripping pulls out the heart of the dragon almost slices it in half himself but is like no no it's gotta be this legendary hero who does <laughs> it's gotta it. be the man so he's like here you hold this and, and i'll push like, you and i'll it. like yeah i'll like go <laughs> hold your hands around the sword then we'll chop it in half together. And they do finally kill the Dragon King and end that whole, you know, him waking up all the time eating kids and stuff. And yeah, and then him and Anastasia part ways, basically. They're yeah. like, see you in five more years, baby. There's like almost no romantic stuff with Hellboy in the comics itself. Like okay. only... I think I think Anastasia is just purely an invention of Christopher Golden as opposed to Mike Mignola who who writes the comics. Okay, I wanted to ask you guys about that because in the yeah. book, one of the kind of can I just go off on a random Totally, oh, please. <laughs> in the book, I feel like, you know, kind of a major subplot of this is like this archaeologist Anastasia is Hellboy's ex and relationship ended not because they didn't want to be together but because they both when he was dating her they were like so in the public eye and the world like hated the relationship they were like why can this demon date this woman this is sick and the pressure was like too much and it just kind of soured the relationship they couldn't really it seemed like go anywhere without people like looking at them and judging them (laughs) so they like broke up over that Yeah. yeah and then didn't see each other for five years and then she's on this dig and this terrible thing happens and she calls bprd because she's like look they're the people that i need right now and it's not even that she's thinking hellboy is going to come necessarily she's just saying you know like i need a team but of course hellboy does go but you it's like interspersed with so them kind of dealing with this is the first time we're seeing each other and really our our romantic feelings never died is interspersed with these flashbacks to other like key moments in their relationship and i kept being really curious about is this the first time this information is being given to people about you know Hellboy's past is this stuff that if I knew Hellboy really well I would recognize you know this event that happened or I would have it would have been referred to at least and I would go okay now I'm actually seeing it for the first time so it sounds like no though that it's this was all new information I mean we've met Anastasia in uh, one of Christopher Golden's previous novels the um the lost army the lost the army book, yeah. but we didn't even get this much backstory then okay. like when we first like you know for for our reader when we first meet her it's like oh they had a relationship but it they from what i remember they don't really dive into it especially not no. like this where they're like having chapters in like paris or in greece or wherever they yeah. are and like from her point of view, she's the second right. point of view character in the book. Like this half yeah. of the book is from her perspective, I would say. Yeah, we, yeah, we right. never got that depth of, of like mm-hmm. into this character, which I thought was like, I thought was pretty cool because it's just not an explored element of Hellboy in the comic at all. Like his 
they like explore his relationships with his dad a lot or mm-hmm. his um his his friends like with Abe or with Liz Sherman who you see for like two seconds in the beginning of this book she's when they're like, in she's like I'm tired I need to be alone for a while yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like I gotta just I'm not in this guys and uh yeah so it's like it's cool to see that element of it especially like kind of the theme of this character is though he obviously like doesn't look human and has like non-human origins his humanity is like what makes him good he's you know he's like a moral character who doesn't want to bring Ragnarok about so it's like that's an element of it and you like for whatever reason Mignola never really goes into it so it's like cool to see that and it was fun to see these like other like like the weird occultists and shit like that. Okay, <laughs> I I was like, that's a book. Yeah, Do that that's his own book. book. I yeah. don't. This is this doesn't work for me as a flashback because it was pretty involved. Yeah, I think all the flashbacks for me, just to add to what you were saying, is that I kept going. Why is it in this story that we're flashbacking? Yeah. To me, it was like this feels like you wanted to tell this story and another mm-hmm. just save it, make like a like overall opinion i'm like <laughs> you guys if you really wanted to make Hellboy a novel series you needed to like map out a trilogy and have this be part of it or something yeah a series of books go on jen what you're saying <laughs> oh so there there's a few major flashbacks and the first one is like literally the first time he meets her and it's like in a pub in london and he's in there capturing these like goblins or hobgoblins yeah, yeah with a vacuum <laughs> with a vacuum yeah he sucks them into a vacuum <laughs> which i i think that scene's supposed to make make him seem like you know i this thing that would be so hard and dangerous for so many people it's just like i'm so oh i gotta chase these goblins whatever they're back in my vacuum um i all I got from that was I felt so bad for those goblins because they were like, <laughs> they had been imprisoned and then they were let out and they went a little crazy. They stole sure. some stuff from a <laughs> museum. I think I can't even remember. They stole yeah. something. And he, and when he comes and they realize who he is and he's going to re-imprison them, they like get upset and they beg not to have to go back in a major aspect of that Dave about trilogy that I was telling you about is the, the warrior who uh, the protagonist calls down in the beginning, he had been at, for many years imprisoned. And it's something that like, so our idea, our Westernized idea of like a genie and a lamp, yeah. if you go kind of to the cultural origins of that is that would be an imprisoned, powerful spirit that is against its will having to do the bidding of the person who essentially controls them. Yeah. So it's not like necessarily in a lamp or something like that, but they would mm-hmm. they would have an object of the jinns that means that they are under this person's control. And it's like torture. It's yeah. Awful. And as that being my main association to like uh, of recent times of some sort of supernatural creature being in prison, I just felt so bad for these yeah. guys. <laughs> like, don't put them in the vacuum. <laughs> yeah. Just tell them to stop scale. I was very upset. And then, so he does that and like kind of wrecks some of the pub and Anastasia just happens to be there drinking because she works at the museum across the street and she's to the bartender. She's like, don't worry, the museum will pay for it. Hey, big boy. (laughs) (laughs) Coming on to him, which makes me have a lot of questions about her, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm a, you know, if I was sitting in a pub drinking and a demon came in and he captured some goblins, I would be curious too, but I wouldn't hit on him. I don't think I would probably talk to him, but I wouldn't be like, I'll take care of you. Bob. I want to take him with me. So she's, yeah, I just said, I was like, what? And then the next one you get, they are like on a vacation. Like they've, this feels like a couple that's been together for years at this point yeah. when they're in the hotel room, right? And they're just about to start having maybe some sexy time or something. And they've, they've just arrived. And he like goes into the bathroom and just gets sick from like magic, like makes him pass out. And he like mm-hmm. comes to later and he's broken through all the stuff in the bathroom when he <laughs> fell over like water everywhere. And he gets up and he goes out and she's, she's basically gone. And there's this weird occultist there who's like, we're onto you. And he's right. going what? And he's like, you foiled everything we've been trying to do. It stops now. And he's like, oh, dude, I literally have no idea who you are. I've never heard of your organization. That was so funny to me. I was like, I want a whole book that is just like the couple of times that he inadvertently foiled this organization, like didn't know that it had something to do with them. And then, or that starts with this scene of this guy showing up and being like, we've had it. And then yeah. he has to figure out like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. What are you guys funny. trying to do? <laughs> and then later there's a flashback that's like from her perspective, from Anastasia's perspective, where she's been kind of with these occultists as a prisoner for like maybe a week, two weeks, something. Yeah. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah. Long enough where in her mind, the only possibility is that they managed to somehow kill Hellboy because he hasn't come for her yet and she thinks the only reason he could have not come for me yet is he's dead yeah so she's very upset and they're about to like sacrifice her and he like blasts in through the roof of this cave and just destroys everyone in a really gruesome sequence and she and like breaks her ankle in the process and she's just my hero like she's yeah there's like no sense of trauma from right. her at the end yeah. of that so that was two weeks yeah <laughs> and like even if you love this person if someone you love comes rocketing in through the ceiling of a cave breaks your ankle in the process and then like really violently murders 12 to 15 people, people in front yeah. of you i mean you got you have to have a reaction to that other than Babe, yeah. you found 100%. me. Like it was just odd. Just so, nonverbal reaction, sweating, throwing up. I'd be like not yeah. able to talk if this happened to me. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted, but I, I it didn't make me dislike her or the story of the relationship or anything like that. It just made me feel like, yeah, Dave, I think you're right. He wanted to tell this story about their relationship. Or Kate, you both actually you both said this. He wanted to tell the story about their relationship. And I think he was like, I'm I can't just do a book about this. I gotta okay, so what can be happening in the present day where I can then like flash back to these things? But I think you could do a book about that culture. Totally too. Like that yeah. would be really interesting. I, I yeah. I'll be honest, I think that sounds like a more interesting book than what we read, at least for the main thread. Because yeah. eh, Cause the main thread, I, I will get to it, but like, it, to me, it's like, uh, this has felt like a generic action, uh, action movie, like a big B monster, like 
bad. Like, like I'll, I'll be honest. It just reminded me of the fucking shitty. This whole book reminded me, especially when we got to the end action sequences. I kept going, this book is just fucking Hellboy in a weird version of the 90s Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> because there's a big monster and then there's babies of that monster. Baby monsters. I was just yeah. like, but backing up a little bit before we move on and over my 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 being very disparaging of this book. But um, I don't like, and this is just my bias. You sort of touched on it with those goblins. And when we've been that first flashback, I don't like how Christopher Golden writes my Hellboy. I don't, he, it's sort of the same reason why I don't really love the iter, the, the movie iterations 100%. Mm-hmm. And Yolo's nailed him down to be this very, he's brutish. He has this big thing that he can throw down, but he doesn't lead with it. He's not a character that leads with that attitude. Right. He's, he's not one to, I think like in the comics, he's really not, he's, he like befriends these things. He like, try, if there's like a huge pig monster demon, that's like, I, it, it is time to kill you now. He'll be like, wait, man, who like, he'll try to like talk to them first. Yeah. And only after getting like clobbered through a wall, will he be like, all right, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to punch you. And I think I like, to. That doesn't, that element of the character doesn't really come across in the movies or in this novel, unfortunately, because I think it's the more interesting thing about the character. Even the dragon, when he killed the dragon, I felt sad because yeah. it's yeah. like this. He ancient- even feels sad too. He's like, yeah. oh, one less magical thing. Yeah. And it's sort of, me. to me, it's the equivalent of like, because the dragon doesn't seem to have something that I think a lot of the like internal logic about what this dragon is and how it operates is like, doesn't add up with each other because it's somehow demanding the sacrifice and it, it like has all of these servants and stuff. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like it has intelligence in the way that you would typically associate with like a sapient character. Sure. Mm -hmm. So to me, that is the equivalent of like, you've disturbed an, a predatory animal. Right. You've come into the jungle. You cannot get mad at the lion when it attacks you. Yeah. And to kill the lion in response to that, and it's the only lion, is kind of messed up. Yeah. And I I had, it's weird because with very little association to Hellboy, I still had the sense of like, I don't feel like this is what this character normally would you know, it doesn't feel like violence would be his first thing. If for some reason, there was like some part of me that was thinking of that more Doctor Who type thing of like, yeah, okay, there are some bad guys out there. But sometimes you find like, this is an alien who its planet was destroyed. It had no choice but to look for a new home. And it doesn't really understand that it's killing the people whose home is <laughs> trying to make space for itself. So yeah. I should go find it a planet with nothing on it. And it can make that its home. And that can be the solution. Yeah. Yeah. There was something about him as a character that didn't that didn't totally sit with me either, which is interesting because I didn't factually know that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a huge part of the character. I think like I think that people misinterpret like in the comics, Rasputin is like a huge one of his like early villains. He'll go on this long tangent, have this long monologue uh, with, you know, super flowery language about why he's going to end the world why mm-hmm. it's like the best plan for everyone it's the it's but he'll like you know he'll kind of go on and on and he'll be like uh, yeah i don't think so and he'll like finally end up like fighting rasputin as a last resort and i think that that's like wrongly interpreted as like hellboy like you know 
spits into a can and it makes a patooey and then he like goes and like knocks everything off of the shelf and like it's like I think people like they see like his gruffness is sort of like supposed to be like this fun thing as like a foil to every other like to all these villains sort of like demanding that the world dies as opposed to like you know he he wouldn't like initiate some like big violent fight in the comics i don't think you know yeah i, I don't know it's the shame like i wish i i almost you know i don't want to give you more homework but the comics <laughs> really are good like it's where like this thing shines where this character is really good like it's one thing to look at a comic where there's like oh cool like serpentine dragons kind of like moving around and it's another thing to read like 40 pages of a dragon fight where it's like all right, like, are they going to kill this guy or what? Like, at a certain yeah. point, I'm like, it's a little long. It feels like a little long. Yeah. And oh, I, I also have to just put it out there. They did something in the book that I just was driving me nuts. Linguistically. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> so he keeps calling the dragon a worm, which is yeah. fine, except it's the wrong spelling of worm. Yeah, there's no why, right? W-O-R-M, and he calls it that, and I'm like, Look, maybe you don't know the word W-Y-R-M. Maybe you've never seen it written. You've only heard someone say the word worm talking right. about a dragon. Yeah. Never seen it. But someone edited this book. Yeah. More than one yeah. person looked at it before it was put out. <laughs> it's it's not one time. It's many times. Yeah, dozens, <laughs> like a lot. Driving me nuts. Yeah, dude. I think that's a valid, a valid, valid complaint. <laughs> <laughs> this is also coming from, you know, again, a person who's like, deeply seated in fantasy D and you think that's who the editors would be you think yeah. you'd have like somebody who's like equipped to be like oh no that's we gotta like we gotta line this up with dragon lore yeah it feels like they just ran spell check and it was like that's a word so nothing came back yeah. cool. <laughs> I, I will say even though i didn't really want the dragon king to be killed there is a i think the method by which they ultimately defeat the dragons is very cool and it's something i haven't really seen before so that was an aspect of the book i enjoyed so it, they basically this dragon when he kind of the dragon king when he emerges and it's like attacking the village he's breathing fire on everything and it kind of initially like <clears throat> wipes a lot of people out in the dig site and they get these like chinese special forces to come in to help them. But these guys are kind of just want to bomb it. And it's like, how is that going to help anything? Yeah. Um, and the BPRD comes up with this great idea of using liquid nitrogen. Yeah. yeah. So they like fire these liquid nitrogen grenades at the smaller dragons and like into the big one. And it like messes them up. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That makes sense how you would fight a dragon. That is cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like there's cool stuff to the book. So Jen, uh, you didn't have to read the other two novels, which were rough as well. (laughs) This is the best of the 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 novels we've read so far. It was the first one that fully felt like I was reading an actual book. Like it was just a book. The others felt more like outlines or like half book, half comic. This Mm -hmm. sort of verges into that, but I'm like, oh, I'm only reading a book. But... I, I think with what it, it, it comes from this, and I don't know, this might just be me. I'm not the biggest reader. I've, I re, I'm rereading Dune again, so I'm judging it against Dune. <laughs> uh, but like, I mean, Dune's a weird book. I fucking yeah. love Dune. They've been rereading Dune over, like over and over. I think since I met him. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love Dune. Over but a decade. Like, ago. <laughs> 
But that, 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 like, uh, yeah, I'm trying not to j- compare. But like, when I was reading this, <laughs> it felt again. It was like a book. It, it, it looked like a book. It read like a book. But like, as we're talking about the way the action and certain moments were tell, I was like, I'm never, I'm never in this book. Doesn't do what I th- I assume a book is supposed to do, which is drop me into the mindset of my characters. Like yeah. to do the thing that a movie or a comic book can't do, which is sort of put you like literally literally tell you what their thoughts are right mm-hmm. and, and things that you can't get away with with a visual medium this book just felt like i'm reading they're just telling me everything it like, like kind of yeah. does that with hellboy kind of but it's not there's, like there's moments i don't but just yeah i think that this i i looked christopher golden up because i was like what is what else has this dude done he does not seem to me like a novelist not that the people who write novelizations of comic book characters are not no, novelists no. And, yeah. and, and I don't mean to say there's no you know value or talent or skill in that there absolutely is but I did have the sense of like this is not a person who's necessarily originated their own material prior to the time that they've written this book and then followed that through in a novelization uh scale because every chapter to me felt like it the the POV character that it was from was not determined by what was going on emotionally with anyone. It was literally who is physically standing or existing in the point <laughs> where information has to come across to the reader. Cause there's like a chapter from the point of view of like a tertiary helicopter pilot. Yeah. Uh, so that you can see there's this, um, because the dig is in uh, Tibet, the Chinese government is like, has a, a representative on the dig site like before the BPRD even shows up or anything bad even happens. So there's like the dig is sponsored by the British Museum, classic British Museum move to go to another country and take artifacts that culturally they have no right to take. Just throwing some shade on the British Museum there. And they like almost <laughs> made the Chinese government official seem like really bad for wanting to keep the artifacts. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I don't yeah. Know, man. Really yeah it's an incredibly that. like weirdly yeah. British. It's this like sort of imperialistic colonial thing that's not good that Britain needs to get a handle on. And I say that as like the world's biggest Anglophile. (laughs) (laughs) Dave knows about me, but, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so it's like the British museum doing the dig, but they have to have this sort of Chinese government escort. And so he's treated like, Oh, this is going to be a villain. This is going to be a bad guy, you know? And ultimately there's a point where that guy is in a helicopter with a BPRD agent. And you just have to basically overhear a phone call that that guy is having to further the kind of red herring of him being a villain. Mm-hmm. But this BPRD agent, like I couldn't tell you his name. I couldn't tell you <laughs> how di- like there are so many people in this book that in my mind are just one man because yeah. they're, they're not, separated from each other at all and some of them die and some of them don't i don't that pilot i don't know if he's the one who you know there's a point where one of the bprd copters crashes and somebody dies yeah i think that main pilot is like helicoptered out at the end okay so he lives there is another helicopter that's destroyed yeah and the people in that die like yeah it's so but yeah, you're like an avid reader and like, you know, we we read this maybe like a month ago or so, or I don't know, two months. How long ago did we? It's been a little while. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, because I took so, forever. We get you it. know, it's not the, it's not <laughs> okay. the thing that sticks in your head. Like, you yeah, have no yeah, exactly. reason to remember these characters. Yeah, that in and of itself, it, it tells you a lot because if I, if 
it's as simple as going like what matter, what will be the connection to your reader? And it's never going to be this piece of information, this piece of narrative information. It's, it just never will. You have to deliver everything in a way where there is a character there who means something to the audience and the information means something to that character. And, you know, they're your filter to make it stick or matter. Yeah. The fact that there's an entire chapter from the point of view of a person who I can't even tell you whether they're alive at the end of the book or not, <laughs> right. nor do I care. Yeah. <laughs> like that's to me is, I don't want to say a problem, but it's, it's sort of a, a sign that this is a little like churn and burn type project for yeah. the overall Hellboy universe. I don't, I don't know what amount of oversight <laughs> is on these novels. Yeah. yeah. Seems like maybe not that much. Because yeah. that was another thing is it, this to me had the vibe of like somebody higher up in the Hellboy franchise than Christopher Golden maybe said, this is, we want a book about this. Mm-hmm. Here's the world's thinnest outline. Just right. uh, there's a, a dragon that lives under a lake. It eats kids. It comes back. Hellboy fights it. Go do your thing. Yeah. And this guy was like, uh, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so maybe he had a girlfriend. Uh, and maybe she's by the dragon and uh, maybe the people who live nearby are also dragons too. And they didn't kidnap the little girl who goes missing from the dig, but it seems like they did. And I actually know yeah. they did but for a good reason. Yeah. And I don't, because uh, the dragon people who like kidnap the archaeologists and murder them, that didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. It was like, oh, they were just defending their graveyard. Yeah. Because you know? yeah, basically... There's that moment they go up to the village to kind of like question these people. Yeah. Bye. And they like storm into a sacred burial ground. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a shooting inside their like hollow yeah. ground or it's like, okay. <laughs> or we're the good guys here. Like Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's sort of just, I don't know, the the amount of I feel like you're supposed to think that all of the Western characters and I'm I'm not saying Western is in like the Western people are wrong and the indigenous people are, I'm just using it as a like sure dividing line of yeah. <laughs> these characters do this and these characters do that. Yeah. But all of the Western characters, I think you're supposed to, because they're your main characters. It's, you know, Hellboy and Anastasia, you're supposed to be on their side. Yeah. But quite often what they're doing in this particular book is stuff where I'm going like, I don't like. What Maybe just doing. leave you guys. Yeah. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel good. And yeah, you know, I understand that when the kid went missing, you can't just like let that go and pack up the dig. You got to find the kid. But once you find the kid and even that, like Anastasia is not really ready to bounce until the dragon comes out. And I feel like the murderous village up the hill, that's when you should kind of go like, all right, you know what? We're not welcome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The indigenous people don't want us digging up their sacred site. And when we started to, Bad things happen both because they tried to stop us and because we've disturbed something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And it's very interesting you bring that up because you have that other, the the daughter or excuse me, the the father of the girl that got kidnapped Mm -hmm. is also presented as like, he's like the crazy archaeologist. Yeah. But what you just pointed out though, is it gets so foggy and muddy is that, Anastasia doesn't immediately like say, like, as you said, after this big attack, go like, we need to go. We should just leave it alone. She still is like, I still want to keep going. So it doesn't paint that guy as being like extra evil. You know what I mean? He has has the most like mustache twirling turn of his personality because initially he's like this older 
man whose you know daughter is with him on the dig because her mom is dead like he's all yeah. she has in the world and she's like 10 or 12 you know she's she's young enough where to me it's like weird that she's there like if you yeah. are the parent of the sole parent of a kid that age why'd you bring her on this trip right. at the museum and do your work there? <laughs> Let the kid go to school. But he, you know, he brings her and she goes missing. And he's, while she's missing, he is exactly the, like, everything you would expect of a, of a parent whose child is missing has been kidnapped, whatever. You know, yeah. he, he's distraught. He can't really focus on anything. You know, people talk to him and it's clear he's not hearing what they're saying. His mind is elsewhere. Yeah. And then the second she's back, Having been mildly, I don't want to say she was tortured, but like they were preparing her to sacrifice her and yeah, they were like, I'm sure they were being like touching nice her body her. and like yeah. painting on her and stuff that would be very traumatic for anyone, totally. let alone yeah. a young girl. Getting kidnapped. Like, yeah. yeah. She's like tied up. And they're like smearing that. They're like ripping her. Yeah. They don't rip her clothes off to like make her nude or anything, but they're like ripping her sleeves away and, yeah. and like the pant legs so they can paint these things on her. And it's just, it's really intense. And yeah. then that she gets back to the dad you never see the girl again like yeah, once yeah she's reunited with it you don't even really see them get reunited kind of hellboy busts in when they're about to carry her out for the sacrifice kind of like yeah. saves her and then it's like cut to later oh he's so happy his daughter's back we don't even see her he walks over and comes to anastasia and now he is a different person he's like we right. have he's like now we gotta yeah. get this stuff yeah it's and like- anastasia even says to him like probably the best thing for your daughter would be for you guys to leave. Right. And he's like, yeah. no, the best thing for her would be for me to become rich and famous by proving the dragon exists. <laughs> and nothing will change his mind. Not even when the dragon does come out and yeah. kills half of their crew. Yeah. And he's like, still like, oh. nah, she can get airlifted out. I'm going to stay and find this dragon. Yeah. Oh my God. And it makes no sense. Yeah. Yes. Huge turn. 100% doesn't make sense. And then just added to all of that, there was multiple scenes where it was just like a cluster of people standing. <laughs> like, like yeah. and you know, it would be trying to tell you everybody's like sort of point of view because you'd have mm-hmm. that guy there. You'd have like broom, you'd have a, maybe they're off, but like, it'd be like, almost like it felt like uh, people are just standing around and reacting all together to one thing. It's very yeah. weird. And then we have the, the guy that we thought was going to be bad, which was the half dragon dude. I forget his name, but Co. Co. Co, yeah. yeah, something like that. And just like, there's so, it started to feel like, and this is a dumb reference. It started to feel like how Indiana Jones and a lot in the crystal skull started to feel where it was like, there's Indy at the front and then a line of people behind him running <laughs> like into the adventure. <laughs> and you're like, why are all these people here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It did become like unmanaged also because like Co speaks a language that you know they don't speak so there's a the translator he's constantly around yeah and he's like not happy that they're there either he kind of keeps throwing shade on anastasia of like well i'll tell him that but he's not gonna like it and even and the warrior monk also yeah is only communicating to hellboy with like point his thumb at a dragon it's like yeah he's like doing pantomime yeah it's just such an odd choice to have like, your characters not be able to communicate in some in a world where like a dragon's flying around and a demon's your protagonist, maybe have a magic way where they can talk to each other. Yeah, it seems like you know there could be like a stone doctor. Yeah, <laughs> I keep going back to Doctor Who, but like Doctor Who has a this thing where the TARDIS creates a translation matrix in the mind of its the people who fly in it, so they can understand any need, language man. that they hear. And 
if they speak, it's in the like native language. That's as much explanation as I need for that. Exactly. Like, all right, great. They all speak. Can't to Hellboy it. have like a medallion? Right. <laughs> yeah. He speaks French in the chapter in Paris in the museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like French in the book that's not translated. And if you don't speak French, screw you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, like, I remember getting that and going, okay. Yeah. I, I speak enough French when I was like, I'm reading this, but I definitely had the thought. I was like, Dave's not gonna, I know he doesn't speak French. He's, I don't know if oh. Kate does, but. And he sure as hell ain't gonna Google it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Google he might text me this. and ask me. <laughs> oh, what does this mean? What the hell is this? Oh, yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I guess you get the gist of it. It's like two old yeah. people basically shitting on Hellboy for being in a museum yeah. and shitting on Anastasia for like being saying she's only famous giant. because of him. She's yeah. not a real like archaeologist. Also like, what, what is that ball? They're yeah, at? how do you They're fake at, like, your archaeology? Yeah, like, like we're having a party for you as an archaeologist at this museum. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I think there's a lot of characters in this that you just, you know, as you said, Dave, like they don't need to be there really, but they're constantly being like, and they're here. So we have this yeah. whole group of people. I actually really, some of the parts that I thought were the most, I don't want to say entertaining necessarily, but the the ones that sort of, felt more like I'm actually reading a book where like those chapters where Abe would go in the lake and swim yeah. around. he's just alone in the water. Yeah. And I say that even being like the first time Abe goes in this water, I guess we should, I don't know if we've specifically said that this, there's this lake at the site. That's what the dragon pool is. And the legend is that the dragon like kind of comes from the lake. Yeah. So yeah. they send Abe in to like check out the bottom of the lake. Makes sense. Right. And he swims down there and he's like, mm, water is unusually warm. <laughs> there's a dragon dude yeah dude <laughs> like <laughs> be that weird of a thing for you to i mean i get that it's not the normal water temperature yeah. but it takes him like three trips into the lake before yeah, yeah you should be able to jump on. to at least at, like speed? i have a hypothesis uh, this, yeah. this is this is this is warm because there's a dragon. <laughs> and it's yeah. supposed to be a pretty smart character like his yeah dealio is that he's he does the homework like he reads the whole case file before they go on a some excursion or something, and Hellboy like doesn't. Yeah, my partner was like, "You'll love Abe. He's a smart fish guy." In the movie, David Hyde Pierce was his voice, and I was yeah. like, "Got it." Yeah, <laughs> I know who <laughs> that this tells fish you is. everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, truly. Yeah, I I do think the um when Abe finally you know found how there was this like thin layer and it broke through and we got down into the actual sort of kingdom of this dragon. I thought that was very cool Yeah, um, to see like the temple that he, you know, had that his little dragonlings were walking around. Look, <laughs> undead dragonling? Because they were kind of zombies. They weren't, yeah. really, which I didn't really understand. Yeah, that was another element that just add, it made you more confused than added. Yeah, that was another moment that reminded me a bit of that Devavad trilogy that I was talking about because you, as you go along in that trilogy, you learn about other types of spirits that exist in that world. And uh, one of them is, I don't know if it's pronounced Marid or Merid, but they're basically like the water spirits. Cool. So they have this kind of whole underwater kingdom and they're, I don't want to say evil, but they're not good guys. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And this <laughs> felt kind of like, you know, getting into this underwater realm of, you know, what is this? Like, what are they doing down here? Are they going to come up and kind of get us at some point? Um, cool. Yeah. And you're not down there that long in the Hellboy book. <laughs> you're like, no. like we break into the, the inner sanctum of the Dragon King and 
basically the lake just drains and then they're like here we are here we are and then <laughs> let's do one more big fight and we're done yeah down here yeah. anyway we got to come back out and fight him on the shore and all that stuff but yeah i just felt like it the the where the author chooses to spend his time and who he chooses to spend it with in every chapter was off balance to me yeah yeah and totally. it felt like you could tell this story in a way that was really interesting and and emotionally resident but you would have to make different choices about who you tell it through and who is where at what point yeah i think that's totally fair and i agree because i i think there's a he he was trying so hard to create the the father son relationship between broom and help when it became like it would pop up and be like oh he's just he's being like an overbearing father you know what i mean yeah which just for me felt a little generic versus really like their more interesting relationship but yeah it's interesting that he wanted that still in there on t- in addition to all this stuff just stacked up <laughs> you know? yeah and, it's, and like, it's also awkward when it because he goes and he basically goes up to anastasia the way that like dad of a 16 year old girl would go up to her first boyfriend and is like <laughs> i'm watching you you've yeah. heard him before <laughs> it's like dude he's like i don't know what his literal age is but he's very much at least the equivalent of a middle-aged man yeah and you're like, like trying to protect yeah. him romantically that's weird right <laughs> yeah i agree he like basically like aged normally up and he like is found as a kid i guess he's like eight or in that like region when he's uh, when he's he conjured like, onto comes earth, to earth yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then he ages until he's like 25 kind of normally and now he's aging slowly so it's like okay by the 90s he's yeah he'd be a 50 year old yeah 50 <laughs> yeah, year old man his daddy's like noticed. talking to his ex like yeah. <laughs> i don't right. like how he looks at you yeah <laughs> yeah Stay away like, with your sexy out. ponytail like, <laughs> yeah. it's just a shame like i want I, there's like I think that there are other more interesting, more nuanced depictions of all of these characters. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's almost a shame to have you read this as your <laughs> first introduction. like introduction to Hellboy because I feel like it just doesn't represent the the franchise or whatever uh, the best that you you could. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, fun stuff. But it's like truly, you see why the comics are so well loved is when you compare it's like these are like neat supplement supplement kind of things for like super fans Mm -hmm. people who are like absolutely desperate for more hellboy content but i think you know yeah i'm a-okay never reading this again yeah i'm cool with like yeah like i don't (laughs) It doesn't we, change the characters from oh, what? No, no, oh, no, I'm, no, 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 no. I'm adding to that. <laughs> you want to read it again? Why? We're reading it again. I, uh, sorry, no. we're signed on to read it again. No, <laughs> I, no, I, I wanted to add to what you're saying because there are several other books. I'm so happy there's only three that, I mean, I don't know if the other books are good or not, but just... Mm-hmm. How many more the, do we have left? We're done. We, we there's only <laughs> oh, three. Oh, that's it. Because we're only doing the Listeners, ones. Listeners, Kate had sheer terror on her face yeah. when she asked, "How many more Ooh, do we have terror. left?" <laughs> well, we have like short stories, and that's it. But like, that's fine. But like, these are the three. That, there's including just like other thing. books I want to read, and I oh, feel like yeah, I, you know, like reading through this. I'm at, at a certain point. I get to like, you know, I'm reading on my Kindle. I'm at like eighty percent, and I'm like, I just gotta, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, you really watch that percentage on the Kindle when you're reading a book. (laughs) Yeah, you're reading a book where you're like not super into it and that's all I'm paying attention to where it's like, okay, I I can totally just like get through this. It'll be fine. And yeah, it I agree. Yeah. But I'm just saying we're done because there's only three that are canon. We're not reading another book. (laughs) Go on, Jen. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, if you don't, if, if like me, you didn't know anything about Hellboy. Well, I don't know why you'd be listening to this episode of this podcast, if that's the case, but live your life. I'm not going to criticize how you live your life, listeners. Um, I wouldn't, I definitely would not recommend it to someone who doesn't know about the character already because it is very even just um, if this weren't about an existing character, the way that it kind of drops you into stuff is very odd. Like there are those couple pages of that, the action scene in the very beginning. And I was like, is there something wrong with this ebook? Like genuinely, I thought. Right, like you were in yes. the middle like, yeah, or something. And it's, just, it's a very, it's a scene that much later is like one of the big fights in the book. So I don't know why you would put, because it's like, it reveals that those people are dragons. Yeah. In yeah. the village. So it's a very weird choice to like have those two pages or three pages or whatever it is. And then you go into the beginning of the story where Hellboy is on a completely different mission, yeah. a different part of the world. And so I was confused by that because I was like, is this before that happened? Is this after that happened? Yeah. I don't know. I also, <laughs> that thing he's doing in the beginning in Chile where he's fighting those weird Things like that are heads. basically like a head with bat wings. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was what calibrated me to the level of supernatural to the world. Cause like I knew Hellboy was a demon of some kind, but you know, I'm uh, in many, it's a, I, I would say like one of the, when you're asking an audience to suspend their disbelief, you do that successfully, in my opinion, in genre stories by following what is almost an improv rule there's one unusual thing or like yeah. if this is true, what else is true? You can follow that thread, mm-hmm. but you in theory would be unlikely to have a world where like literally every kind of mythological thing coexists. You know, if there are, if, if Thor exists, we probably are not also going to see Zeus necessarily because they're coming or like we can have Thor, but we're not going to have uh, vampires unless there's some Norse idea of a vampire that, yeah you're following or whatever you know you, you sort of you you stick in a in a in a particular realm and uh or your or your world has to be as big as something like you know like star wars is obviously you have a billion alien species in it but they all make sense because they're aliens yeah. specifically mm-hmm. this i was like okay so he's a demon what is this thing he's fighting that seems weird okay maybe that's some other type of demonic thing but then <laughs> we get to Tibet, I'm like, all right, well, dragon, that's like a creature of the natural world. But then there's like an undead dwarf monk, and I'm <laughs> just going, what? Okay. Yeah. I guess there's yeah. no, there's, there's no edges to this. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I mean, y'all will do that in the comics, like where he'll draw from all kinds, like, you know, kind of all of these things do exist to some degree. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. He kind of like has... combines a lot. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Mignola gives himself his own boundaries, though, of his universe. Yeah. Like, like, um, um, but, but, but speaking of that, like, he'll make, he'll be like, oh, I want this character, but he, he'll, he'll do it in a savvy way where it's like, 
like his Baba Yaga is like, oh, I'm going to take from the real thing, but then I have to infuse it into my world. So this, yes. so he's distinguishing it from like, this isn't the Baba Yaga of, of Russia. It's just, it's my Baba Yaga that exists in the Hellboy world. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and usually and so they're like self-contained in the comic. Like he yeah. wouldn't be, like there's a comic where he goes to Japan and fights these like floating, floating heads, heads <laughs> ghosts, floating heads. <laughs> which is like taking from Japanese folklore yeah. in the same, in that same comic, he wouldn't fight Baba Yaga, you know, but yes. he, like, exactly. Yeah. He, he would go to Russia and, you know, grapple with Baba Yaga over there and the heads wouldn't show up. It's like, they're separate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's more mean, like freak of the week, kind of like early X-Files. We kind of yeah. have said before where it's like, okay, that, you know, the Jersey Devil is in this one, but don't yes. worry that he's not going to show up in these other yeah, episodes. Because that's the thing is like, if all of the things that our legends are from, if they're all true, okay, I can even go that far, right? Sure. It doesn't have to be that only Norse mythology is right. Only Greek mythology is right. Only the sort of ideas of vampires and zombies, you know, whatever. They can all be true. Yeah. But I can't be asked to deal with all of them at the same right. time. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, weird (laughs) they are all true it has to come from some sense of like regionality you know in this part of the world you know Norse mythology we believe in these gods because in this part of the world the people that lived here they are the ones who interacted with these gods and these gods serve to these people so while we are there that we deal with Thor and while we are in Japan we deal with the spirits that helped or plagued this part of the world but yeah. like you said, the floating heads shouldn't show up if they go to Russia. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. This book was just a little like all, all of over. it. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. Sure. And, and like, I'm going to spoil something crazy for you, but uh, Jen, okay, that we just <laughs> that Kate just found out through our last readings. But like to add to this conversation of like what you can play with is if they, like if your world gets expanded, you have to do it over time. You can't. Yes. Like this sort of tries to throw all of that, like there's these dragons, then there's this door from this monk, and then there's a village of dragons. So you're just getting bombarded with so much. Whereas like over time, we eventually learned that Hellboy in the comics, that his lineage, his mother was a witch, was in the bloodline all the way through. If you track her bloodline back, she's related to King Arthur. So that makes it so we're to the point where Hellboy's like, yeah, you're the next up for King in this mystical world <laughs> yeah and it's it it's yeah. but like you get but there in a way earned. that like earned because yeah, you're well, like yeah. three away. decades into the comics <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> world grows over that period of time yeah the of stuff that you put into it helps to it, it's like i said following that kind of improv thing of like if this is true then what else is true and if you mm-hmm. keep bringing new elements into the story but you use that as your beacon that's your your guidelines then everything that you add in feels like it fits. It doesn't feel like you are adding a new, a completely new feature. You're just adding more yeah. detail to the feature that was already there. Totally. So that's yeah. cool. That they, and I mean, they should be doing That's how you sustain a creative world for a long time. You have to do stuff like that. Cause if you didn't like, no one would still be reading these. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I think, I think you're right on like they, uh, they just, Oh, they just there's so much going on in those flashbacks. <laughs> I don't know. I, I uh, let's do some final thoughts and let's rank this. I don't sure. know how we're gonna rank it. <laughs> let's rank it by let's be a fun way to rank this movie this this movie, this book. Um, <laughs> um let's rank it by um let's do it by dragon younglings 
<laughs> dragon younglings. Out of five dragon younglings. Yeah, five dragon younglings, which you know you can light how many you rank it by how many sure you activate on to be on fire. And then just yeah. give some final thought. <laughs> give some final thoughts and then just give it a ranking. Let's have some. I mean, I'll give it. it two out of five dragon younglings. <laughs> I think I think if you want to get into Hellboy, I don't start here. I think you <laughs> yeah. should read the comics. I think if if you want to read a fantasy novel, there's so it's such a wide range of things that you could pick first. Mostly like the best thing that came out of this is Jen's recommendations. I'm going to read <laughs> City of Brass. I'm going to get into Winter Night Trilogy. Like, uh, you know, that's probably the best thing that came out of reading this novel. Uh, I, you know, I don't totally hate it. And there's a lot of like reviews online for like hardcore fans who are like, this is probably the best Hellboy novel, but like that review tells me all I need to know is like, okay, I don't really need to. That's not where this character is his best. And yeah. So two, yeah, two out of five. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a good ranking because like there are there are elements of it that I I thought were really interesting or, you know, really funny. Like, like I said, that moment where the occultist shows up and he's like, you've been after us and ruining yeah. everything we do. And Hellboy's like, I literally have no idea who you yeah, are. You that guys was are so great. Yeah. And I've never seen something do that, you know, <laughs> and to come across something fresh in a novelization of a comic that like is not even necessarily a great novelization even by the standards of people who love the character. That's pretty cool. And yeah. liquid nitrogen thing. Great. So yeah. yeah, I think two is fair because it did have these couple of like, Real good moments, but overall, I would say I don't recommend it. Uh, but I give the experience of, of talking about it with you guys five out of five, Jack. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm with both of you. It gets two youngling dragons lit on fire. <laughs> I'm not an avid reader, but when I read, like, it's the things that I get suggested are just like these just it's just it's rare for me what to a waste for your one book a year to be <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just tough I, I just knew from the get-go yeah. it was just going to be tough to get through because it it did I, I think you're both right and like it had moments that was like oh this is this is this this part of the book went fast for me because it was like actually interesting mm-hmm. or it was like unfortunately it was like I don't want to read a book and feel like the action is the highlight because that's just not why I go to a to yeah like i don't want to read a fucking novelization of a mission impossible sequence i don't want to watch like a really like really (laughs) stretched out like pulp story but that's why they're short that's why they're published in magazines and they're like Mm -hmm. 10 pages long like it doesn't need to be 200 pages yeah a 10 page version of of what happens surrounding the dragon pool that doesn't flash to other places or involve nearly as many other people that could be real good that could be definitely a page turner yeah Get separated the wheat from the chaff. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I, yeah, Hellboy, his best, his at his best is always the comics. That just is like. Don't almost, tag Christopher Golden in this. Uh, this when this when review, okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah please. Don't, I don't need to get yelled at by a yeah, man. Right. I'll like post it. it, but I don't need to tag. I'm sure him. he doesn't give a fuck. And either. the thing yeah. is, I don't know. I, I mean, that, that. I mean, yeah, I don't need to go after him or talk yeah, shit yeah. or anything. I think, yeah. But I do and think, I think he, it is better. I think he got better. <laughs> I think he got better. I don't know what he now writes other sure. novels. I think of his own. Yeah. I read like, the about creation. the author and he has like three things that have been optioned, but I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, for you, so man, like, maybe you're much better with original content than you are, you know, writing something that exists and, and there are, yeah. maybe you have created in your mind, like boundaries of what you can and can't 
add yeah. to that's the, the thing too it's probably such a huge challenge to pick up a character who's like yeah. loved already and like has this huge history it yeah I, it must have been super difficult to try oh, to like sure. interpret you know yeah. to try to like relay the thoughts of a character who really is belongs to one person it's not mm-hmm. even like a novelization of like a novelization of like a marvel character or something like that because yeah. like so many iterations of those characters exist already nobody really associates them with like even like stan lee like people aren't like people aren't like this yeah. isn't stan lee's vision like nobody gives a shit there's so many versions of them now yeah but like this really does belong to one person and if you kind of stray from from mike mignola's vision of it then you're kind of you're kind of like damned either way, I think, you know, yeah. damned if you do yeah. sort of thing. So sorry, sorry. Christopher Golden. Sorry, Christopher Golden. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll read another Shitting book of your yours, book. but if, I, bet it, I bet they're good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't judge. I'm only judging this. I'm not judging you. Okay, Mr. Exactly. Yeah. We're, um, we're not commenting on you as a person. Yeah. yeah. You're still, <laughs> and you're still writing, you're, you're doing fine. He's still writing comic books. <laughs> yeah. He's still yeah. writing comic books with Mignola. So he's doing fine. Yeah, he's all right. But we would love to hear from you listeners out there, your thoughts. If you want to add to this conversation, anything you want to, there's something we missed that you would like to highlight or something you wanted to point out or just your general thoughts on this book, please give us um, an email at, you can email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We got definitely some two great suggestions of books. Um, from you, Jen. Is there anything from your reading of this or a discussion that you'd also like to suggest to listeners to read, watch, or enjoy? I always feel bad recommending TV because I consume a lot of TV from uh, <laughs> the UK. And so then it's not necessarily easy to find here. Because I honestly, I, the thing I'm most excited about on TV right now is it could not be less related to this, but I just want to talk <laughs> to people about it. Yeah. Love it. There's a British show called Taskmaster, <laughs> and they tried to bring it over here. They butchered the format and it did not work. Anyway, basically what this show is, five comedians. Every season, they get five comedians slash actors. Sometimes they're not necessarily comedians. And for the whole season, these comedians are set tasks, like weird tasks. And they all do them and compete for points. And at the end of the season, it's the same people every episode for the whole season. At the end of the season, one person wins a trophy. It is honestly like if i was a tv show it would be this show uh, <laughs> it's the most fun the type of tasks they do are things like it can range anywhere from really simple to eat this watermelon the person who eats the most watermelon wins you have 10 minutes your time starts <laughs> or it'll be like invent a new way to remember how many days there are in every month you have 20 minutes starting back. Um, or it'll be like, there are some tasks that are team tasks. So there's five, there's always a team of two and a team of three. And so it'll be like, get your entire team from uh, this end of the garden out to, you know, to the gate to the street by uh, setting the alarm off the least amount of times, but they don't tell you what makes the alarm go off. And ultimately <laughs> what makes the alarm go off is if there's more than seven seconds of silence or someone says a word that has the letter T in it, oh but they don't God. tell you that. And they have to figure it out. And it is just, it's the best show. Like you're watching people try to like think their way through problems and figure things out. And it's so funny because the people are comedians. So inherently they're just kind of like bold and wacky a lot of the time. That's great. And you'll, you know, if you watch, if you're familiar with, with like British comedy world, there's definitely a lot of people who've been on it. Who you read. Like Noel Fielding is a contestant in one of the yeah. seasons, Mel Gitteroy, who used to be one of the co-hosts of the Great British Bake Off, which is, I think, probably the 
British pop culture thing that most Americans right now <laughs> would be most familiar with. Totally. They were actually on the same season together in what I think was maybe the best season of Taskmaster. But, oh, cool. Wow. Um, and it's super fun. And the guy who invented the show is like the assistant to the Taskmaster. He he creates all the tasks and stuff, but they this other comedian, Greg Davies, is the character of the Taskmaster. So he judges everything. And <laughs> the guy who created it, Alex Horn, is like his assistant and they refer to him as little Alex Horn. Even though <laughs> he's a very tall man, but the Taskmaster is like six, eight. <laughs> oh, God. It's weird. Wow. Anyway, you can find it on YouTube and it's just, it's very, very enjoyable. It's very different than anything on like American TV. And I just love it. And I want more people cool. to be aware of it and take part. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I found oh. it immediately Googling it. So yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. It's in its like 11th season right now. I want to say. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was saying. What a shame saying. that the American, you said there was an American version oh. that just kind of like stunk. Yeah. So Alex yeah. Horn, they, the format was actually picked up in a bunch of other countries yeah. and it, there are a lot of other countries that are doing it and doing it well. Comedy Central was doing it here. I actually went to a taping of really uh, one of the wow. episodes. Yeah. And Alex Horn was still the uh, Taskmaster's assistant. They had um, uh, Reggie Watts was the Taskmaster here. Oh, okay. The contestants were Freddie Highmore, Lisa Lampanelli, a DJ I'd never heard of. And I genuinely don't remember who the other two people. One was, a, oh, uh, Kate Berlant. Okay. And I, I don't remember who the other person was. Yeah. And they, it's an hour long show. And like what they've done with the tasks, the way they film it is like, there's a Taskmaster house and all of the, most of the tasks are done there. Sometimes there's like every season will have like a location that they also sometimes go to. This season is like a hangar in an airfield, but they do all of the tasks ahead of time, except the beginning of the episode there's a thing called the prize task so they'll say like bring in the best thing that you wouldn't normally hang on a wall but you could hang on a wall that was the prize task this past week and then the taskmaster scores them and at the end of the episode the winner of that episode wins all of the things that were put up in the beginning so in early seasons of the show, it was like the most valuable thing. And like someone brought in their car, someone put up their wedding, yeah. like crazy stuff. And then all, so that's at the beginning in the studio. And then they go through tasks that were done at the house that were like pre-filmed and stuff and then score them. And then there's one live task in the studio at the end. That'll be like, uh, they give them a bunch of like a grapefruit, an orange, a kumquat and a grape. And it's like, choose a fruit to bowl down this walkway. You'll get three bowls. If you go past this line, you're out. You must at least go past this line. You can choose it. <laughs> so round one, everyone choose your fruit and just weird stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's just the best. It's the best show. But they, yeah, they switched it. it to a half hour here. And so they did, they like cut out, uh, they did the prize like, task, but they like did, they didn't really like explain it properly. And then they only had time for like a couple of tasks that were pre-taped and then they did the live test. It just didn't work. Yeah. Bummer. It's like this novel didn't quite work, but there's 30 yeah. years of comics, you know. Yeah, exactly. You have to have an American Taskmaster. You got 11 uh, <laughs> series of British yeah. versions of it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, cool. Okay, great. Yeah, That's we'll totally great watch this. Cool. Did you have anything, Kate, that you wanted to uh, suggest to read, watching, or enjoy? I recently watched the 1985 Red Sonia, and I was like so blown away by how good it was and She's how bad everybody says it. it is. Dude, it just. <laughs> It just bummed me out that people don't like this movie because it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, so I guess I'll just double down on that. I can't think of anything else. Like, everybody go see it because I know you didn't because you think it's bad, <laughs> but it's good. Okay, all right, all it. right. Yeah. <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, yeah. The only thing I have to suggest is not is not directly related to the dragon pool. It's directly like uh, uh, at the top of this episode, we were talking so much about Russian folklore 
that I just was like, this is an easy way to get this movie I just watched in that I absolutely loved. Um, I watched it because I listened to the Roger Deakins podcast and him and his, him and his wife, James, talk about this movie a lot. And I was finally just like, well, it's on Criterion. I have the Criterion, Criterion channel. I got to sit down and watch it. It's this movie from 1985. It's called Come and See. It's a Russian Dude, uh, movie. Yes. And it is, it's brutal. brutal. It's brutal. I didn't know you watched that. I just watched it this week, this week weekend and I loved it. It's beautifully shot. It's so, it's just, it's just, it just shows you the capabilities of what you can do with camera and storytelling. I didn't know it was on Criterion. I have like the most bootlegged version of a DVD. It's like a, it has like two, like the, it's like the um, subtitles are like subtitled over. Like it's somebody taped it from like, yeah, yeah, it's brutal. Criterion um, remastered. They put out a version that's on the channel. Know. It's just a, it's a truly brilliant, like anti, I, they call it an anti-war film. You know, it's just about a uh, Nazi Germany occupying like, uh, like the Eastern front. It's like, of, and it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. But in the sense of like, it's not like what's amazing about it and why I like it as a, a film about war is that it's not about, which America tends to do anytime they do a war story. It's like, look at the hero, you know, progression. And this is like, no, this is just surreal and brutal. And like, it makes you truly feel like this is probably the closest you're going to get to like, maybe feeling like you went through this shit. And like the brutality isn't like just in your face for in your face sake. It's more, it's like, there's a sequence in it of like, it's a haunting movie, man. Yeah. It's very haunting. The the, The use of sound and music in it is just, perfection it's awesome it's just if you if you want to sit through two and a half hours it's completely just, worth watching but it yeah, is it's, it's, a, it's, it's heavy yeah it's heavy um but yeah. i loved it um it makes me some of these i just uh, i'm I glad like, you watched it it's, yeah and the guy and the the, the the reason that they interviewed the dp of it and he shot a movie i love too on called, what podcast oh, uh, the Roger Deakins podcast, like uh, oh, okay. Team Deakins, I believe it's called. Um, but there's another movie called Orlando with Tilda Swinton. It's based on this old character, Orlando. Jan, maybe you know that. Like, I don't, I don't know who wrote Orlando, but like, it's a character like changes sex, like lives is immortal, but like changes sexes. Oh yeah, I don't know who originated it either. I, do I don't know either. But the DP shot that movie too, and I think that movie is fucking awesome. It's a Sally po- cool. po- Potter movie. But yeah, I was just. And then we were talking about Russia so much. I was like, I could talk about come and see. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just uh, everything about it is the camera work is just, it just does like it's incredible. I don't know how they stuff. shot some of that stuff. You should listen to the interview with the DP. It's very I absolutely will. Yeah. Is this um, a recent film or this is a more classic? 80s? 1985. Yeah. yeah. 1985. Same year as Red Sonia. <laughs> Same as Red Sonia, yes. yes. Uh, but All that's right. It. So if you want to cover 1985 cinema, watch Red Sonia and come and see. Yeah, watch Red Sonia as a palate yeah. cleanser for. Yeah. But great. Uh, this has been a delightful time, uh, Jen. Yeah. If our listeners want to hear more from you or keep updated with anything, how do they find you or follow you or anything? You got any? Check out my Twitter or my Instagram, which are both at Hooray Jen, H O O R A Y Jen, J E N. I will preface that by saying I don't know that I'm as active on it as many people are on those platforms but if you were looking for me and wanted to know if you know at any point if the world returns to normal and live performances begin happening again 
you could certainly find out about them in those ways. Flash writing stuff or whatever. If there's something that I'm allowed to talk about, <laughs> it'll, be, <laughs> yeah. it'll probably be on one of those two platforms. <laughs> but right. the life of a screenwriter in Los Angeles is very frequently, you don't get to talk about something for such a long time after you've done it that it's like, you got to wait until the thing is literally going to come out. (laughs) You're like, Hey, I wrote this thing. Uh, (laughs) um, It's weird. It's a weird way to live your life, but, but there you go. You can find me Twitter, Instagram at Hooray Jen. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jen. This has been delightful to spend this time. Thank you for taking the time to read a whole fucking book for us. (laughs) Anything for you, Dave. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's super fun. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Um, Your insights were awesome. So yeah, great. I'm glad great. I had something to add. <laughs> you did a lot to add, and it was great. It was very good. She's great. Yeah, Jen's great. Super. I knew you got to bring in people that love books to talk about books. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like, like smarties. I, I love a book, but I don't. I like. I'm again. I'm reading Dune again. That's my reference to talk about a book. <laughs> um, and a couple of other books that people are like, like uh, I've never heard of that. Like Paul Oster's Mr. Vertigo gonna say oh. one of my probably my favorite book oh <laughs> if i could make it into a movie one day and be the person that made it happen i'd be very happy but that was great it was fun to talk about the novels i i want to reiterate for you kate that that was the last novel unless they happen to make another one canon that we are done with the full books sweet we have maybe two short stories they'll do eventually in the future, but that's it. Yeah, you know? that's fine. But you know what? Again, I don't want to be disparaging to Christopher Golden. I think that like he he definitely, as we said earlier or later in the earlier in the podcast, he definitely improved over each novel. So Yeah, there and like Jen was saying, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens in in this that I think yeah. makes it worth reading if you're like really into Hellboy, I think go ahead. I mean, you're not listening to this podcast unless you're really into Hellboy, I think, but... Yeah, exactly. You know, check it out, but it's not like the... Fr- it's not like you're not going to be missing anything. Check it out when you have some free time. I'm with you there. That was a great the great way to put it. I will be... I'm not... We're not doing it for the show, but eventually I will read um, the Baltimore novel, which apparently leads into a little bit or overlaps similar to like the comic book Baltimore that Christopher Golden cool. did with uh, Mignola. Well, I, yeah. I don't I don't know if we'll ever cover that on this show or not because it's sort of like the outer verse that will probably be decided in years to come. <laughs> but when I do read that, I'll report back to you. Is all Sounds I'm saying. Good. That's the only reason I'm bringing it up. But yeah. hey, once again, folks, we want to hear all your thoughts on anything we've covered in prior um, podcast episodes, including this one. Any thoughts you have on the Dragon Pool? or anything we talked about. Heck, just email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. And if you could please go out of your way to um, rate and review us if you have that option, whatever platform you listen to us. If you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, that is a way of getting the word out to other listeners. And even more so, if you could please go out of your way to go on to Apple Podcasts, regardless of what format you're using, just log on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom. That's B-O-O-M. If you do that, and we call that a boom review, if you give us a boom review, we will read your review right here on the show and give you a big old shout out and sing your praises. So please give us a boom review, bring more people to the show. And email us. <laughs> we, we can talk to each other, but we love hearing from all of you. It's all totally. Any final thoughts, Kate? That's it. 
Great. That is it. That's it. Yeah, that that's it. it. <laughs> All I can say about it. I love it. Listeners, I want to say to you out there, thank you again for listening. And remember. Hey, we love you. Hey, you. Yeah, the listener of Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. Are you ready for a promo? Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. And we're the hosts of Hella in Your 30s. This is a podcast for people of all ages, all about navigating this dystopian world we live in. (laughs) That's right. So every Monday we invite you into our living room or out into the world on whatever adventures we go on. Or into our living room for an adventure in our living room. (laughs) Yeah, like having your wife challenge you to a great British baking show style competition in your own kitchen. That's right. Or maybe, you know, you want to know what it's like to volunteer at a food bank. Or maybe, uh, well, you know, you want to hear what it's like to foster kittens in the midst of a pandemic. That's right. Super easy. But giving cats medication is literally the worst thing in the world (laughs) okay anyways if you want to hang out with us find us every monday hella in your 30s wherever you get your podcast tomorrow's a new day let's order pizza